Jesus and Seltzer, Stories and Meditations on Sobriety and Recovery. Do you think being sober is simply a physical state or is it more? That's coming up next right here on The Parker J. Cole Show. Welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host, Jason Umidi. He is the author of this book, Jesus and Seltzer, Stories and Meditations on Sobriety and Recovery. And he's going to be walking us through his testimony, as well as giving you tidbits, techniques, resources, and things for you to consider if you are dealing with an addiction. I can't wait to talk to him in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stop and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net. Click on that pink follow button and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guests on board. Jason, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being with me. As I always say, I never take it lightly when you take time out of your busy schedule to be here with me today. And I can't help but think I haven't talked about this topic before on the show. And I'm so glad that you are going to be extending yourself for our listeners who may be dealing with an addiction. Now, you're going to be coming at it from a particular standpoint, but I know that from reading your memoirs and reading your thoughts about this subject of sobriety and recovery, that you're going to be helping not just those who have had the same problems as you have had, but others who have other vices that they deal with. So I'm really excited to talk to you about this. And later on in the broadcast, we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to see how they can connect with you online and possibly have you coach them as well. So I can't wait to give that information to our listeners. But before I do that, go ahead and just share, because you're going to be sharing your whole self with us more than likely, but share just a little bit about yourself. So I am 54. I'm a husband and a father, and I'm a preacher's kid. Preacher's kids can struggle their faith like I did. I was raised in a pretty rigid, strict Baptist church. And to be honest, even though I had a deep personal relationship with Jesus, I had some religious behaviors in me. And unfortunately, when life kind of took a turn for the worse, which is just life happening. It happens to all of us. Religion and do's and don'ts and all of that legalism, if you will, that I had grown up with, it didn't answer my problems. It didn't solve my wounds. It didn't respond to the gaping hole in my heart of the pain I was enduring. As a young boy in elementary school, I learned how to take on shame at an early age. I was molested in third grade. Once shame entered into my being, I suffered with depression. I thought that there was something wrong with me and I was broke inside. 
go into my teenage years and I played sports and I fractured my back playing football. And that began a season in my time, which I'm still dealing with now, which is suffering from chronic pain. I've had five spine fusion surgeries. So along those years, in my teenage years and early 20s, I learned how to deal with all of that pain with alcohol and prescription opioids. I became a smoker, so I was addicted to um, nicotine and throw in there pornography as another addiction. My life was spiraling out of control, and yet I still managed to function and do what everybody else respected of me, which was to be a father and a husband. And But the consequences for my behavior, my drinking, my opioid addiction with fentanyl, you know, I had a broken marriage and ended in a divorce. My back surgeries led me into financial ruin and through bankruptcy and onto Social Security disability and Medicaid. My life was just really falling apart. And the whole background of my foundation, which was really great as a preacher's kid, my parents loved me and supported me, but that whole structure of religion, man's interpretation, just did not suit me well. And I floundered in my faith. I, where is God in all of this? Why am I not experiencing freedom from my addictions? Why am I not experiencing freedom from depression? I'm on heavy medications to manage that. But the good news is there's redemption and restoration for all. And it took me till I was in my late 40s to find sobriety. And that was on January 10th, 2017. And I've been clean and sober since. Uh, no opioids, free of tobacco. I'm free of porn and I'm free of alcohol. And it is a wonderful place to be. I want to share this victory with your audience that it doesn't matter who you are and what you're struggling with. Jesus loves you and there is a path of freedom available. Jesus says, come all ye who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And I had to fall in love with Jesus, which didn't happen until after I kind of got sober. Sobriety opened up the door for me to really own Jesus and my spiritual journey. And the two have kind of gone hand in hand, but I'm here to tell you that my life is the best life it could ever be. I have no regrets. I still suffer the consequences of a lot of my behaviors and my addictions. But God is who he says he is, and the restoration and redemption is ongoing. I love that you brought it home about religion versus having a relationship with Christ. We were talking before we started recording that I also grew up in a very strict home. My parents loved me, and they wanted the best for you. That's why they tell you, don't do this don't do that. But what tends to happen is that the do's and don'ts become more important than the relationship with Christ. So I really am resonating with the things that you said. Another thing you said, too, is that it took time. But when you became sober, you started to have a deeper relationship with Christ. And I think this is important because we're talking to believers on the show, but we're also speaking to non-believers as well. And we want them to both know wherever you are, I truly believe God meets you there. He doesn't meet you perfect because it doesn't exist on earth, but he meets you there. You talked about the pain in your life, you know, being molested, you know, having those addictions. Those are things that can lead you down a dark path where only alcohol and opioids, which is racking the country right now, may be the only way to escape. But you are escaping not by hiding away from the problems, but facing them and tackling them. And I know you get into that a little bit more in our discussion. Let's go ahead and talk about why addiction is so very difficult to break. 
You know, if I had an answer for that, I would write a book about that and make a million dollars and that would be a whole different career path. But I hear you. The Lord has given me a story of hope and love and redemption for all, especially believers who are struggling. Addiction is a mind, body, and soul phenomenon. It really just wraps you up. And, you know, I never ran away from my faith. I just struggled with understanding who is God in the midst of all of these addictions that I can't seem to break. I love the 12 steps of AA, and I love the first step. It says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. I like that step because it's a step of surrender. It's a step of admitting that there's a problem, but it can be for anything. It can be for porn. It can be for sex addiction. It can be for tobacco. It can be for drugs, alcohol. Really, whatever vice is out there that has you in making your life unmanageable, addictions can sneak in. You don't have to suffer from pain to develop an addiction. Our society glamorizes alcohol and tobacco in the movies are everywhere. I mean, I quit smoking, but I still crave cigarette at times. It's ingrained in my DNA, unfortunately, and I still have a craving for that. I'm free of tobacco and, and alcohol, but if I'm not careful and I don't have my mindset right, that addiction, that thought, that desire to escape, that desire to self-medicate, you know, that can slip into my mindset and... That's where it's really important to take every thought captive. I have to daily just start out my mornings with prayer and just acknowledging the fact that I'm a work in progress and that today is a new day and and I'm not promised tomorrow and to live in the moment. And addiction is always on the edge of my life, even though I'm clean and sober since 2017. It's interesting because sometimes we think that recovery is a one-step process. And you're saying that it's not a one-step process. It's an ongoing thing. It's a daily thing. What I really like about you and your story is that it doesn't matter how long it takes that once you really start to make these steps, you can break the stronghold of addiction. Now, I want to go into your book. And for our listeners out there, what I want you to do is love on my brother today and pick up your copy of Jesus and Seltzer, Stories and Meditations on Sobriety and Recovery. What was the moment that you had to say to yourself, I need to write this in a book to reach others? Well, I didn't think of myself as a writer, and I had never really written anything, to be honest, and I wasn't very good in school with English. And But one thing that I've learned over time, and this was something that I had to kind of grow in my understanding, was that when the Lord speaks to you or lays something on your heart or you get a sense in your spirit that he's leading you to do something, just be obedient. You know, the idea to write, I rejected it because I didn't know what I was doing. I was afraid I was going to look silly. You know, I started writing posts on Facebook, just sharing my thoughts on sobriety and my journey, just being real honest. And it kind of struck a a nerve with those that knew me and frankly, those that didn't know me or who thought they knew me and they didn't. As I began to be honest about my struggle, my struggle with my addictions, my struggle with my faith, what the Lord was teaching me with my faith, I just kept writing. And it was, you know, maybe a post once a month. And then it turned out to be a couple times a month. And then it was once a week. And over a period of time, a writer friend of mine who had kind of gotten back in touch with me as he saw my posts had asked me if I ever thought about writing a book. And I said, not really, but I want to do something with this gift I've been given and I don't really know what to do. And so he kind of helped shepherd a book out of my writings. These writings all started off as a blog, Today's One Minute Read. 
And the book is a curated collection of these one-minute reads. So my book is, I take a quote from an iconic person, whether it's an actor, writer, philosopher, and then I write a one-page meditation on how that intersects with my faith and why is it important to me and how does it help me connect with my Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you say here throughout your book here is that it is a struggle. And one of the things you mentioned is about what happens when you want to escape reality again. And I want you to talk about that because the pandemic launched, even though it was already there, but it launched like an overkill of this because people were having such a bad time. They were isolated, unable to do things, worried, anxious, depressed, suicidal even. And so they knew they couldn't go that route. And so they wanted to escape. And even now, people are feeling that way. And there's that urge to say, I don't want to be here. Let me just do what I have to do. What are some words of encouragement they can give to our listeners? I think the first step or the first thought or mind that comes to my mind is just acceptance and don't judge it. Just accept the fact of what you're experiencing is true and honest and real for you. And then you need to really share that with someone that you care about, who loves and respects you and can help you along this journey. I found for me, pre-pandemic, I was in a psychiatric hospital, so I understand a lot of these pandemic mindsets that I had to find a good therapist that could help me figure out what are these feelings I'm experiencing because the medication and the booze just weren't helping. So whether it's a therapist, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a pastor, you really can't do this journey alone. You need to have accountability. I'm a life coach, someone from your extended family, a confidant, someone that you can be honest with who's not going to you know, go against that confidence with you. And ultimately, you got to make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand this God. And for me, it's Jesus who died on the cross and has saved me from my sins. But we all come to the Father with a different mindset based on our experiences. And I just say to everybody, your understanding of God, He is going to meet you there and really take it all to Jesus. And Jesus will help you. I cannot stress that enough. Even your broken understanding of who Jesus is, it's a work in progress as well, even for me. But he is faithful and just to meet us there. I want to read something from your website, jasonumidi.com. That's jasonumidi.com. The confines of religion have been replaced by an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. And this renewed life in the spirit promised me that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I love what scripture says in 1 Peter 5:10. the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I love that verse because people who are on the other side of getting better from their addiction, from their vices, they may be floundering. And one thing I would love for you to speak to is the floundering. What happens when you mess up? Maybe you do have a quick slip. How does that verse really underpin that it's not that you messed up, it's that you keep trying to do better again? That's what I think, but you know better than I do. I agree with you. It's a daily, daily effort to get back up on your feet and go back at it again. I had many, many, many moments of relapsing during my struggles to find lasting sobriety. 
I don't know the reason why it happened the way it did, why I found sobriety when I finally did. But over the years, those relapses would just sink me into such depression and such self-loathing and such just sense of failure. And my identity in those years during my addictions was not that I'm a, a new creation in Christ. My identity was that I'm a failure. And that is so difficult to manage when you're already kind of loathing yourself because you know you're failing in a certain area in your life. So that self-loathing, that sense of I screwed up again and again, a lot of times I just kind of gave up trying again. I just kind of wallowed around in that sense of failure and said, well, geez, I, I guess I'm just not going to make it. Maybe this is just my lot in life. Maybe I'm just supposed to be addicted to drugs and alcohol and porn and tobacco the rest of my life. Maybe that's my lot. Maybe I just don't have it in me. But you keep trying. And over the years, that process of never giving up hope, which is key. Hope is not this feel good, have a great day kind of hope. Hope is no, life is sucky right now. But I have hope that God eventually is going to hear my prayer and he will answer my prayer and he will lift me up out of the miry pit, set me on a rock. And that rock and that foundation I'm on today, but it took a long time, many, many years to get here. So you just cannot give up. You cannot give up hope. You've got to find that deep, deep part of yourself that will push through it. And again, it goes back to accountability. You really need to have people speaking truth into your life with you. You can't do this alone. Addictions are too powerful to try to do it on your own. And that's why humility and accountability and ownership are so important in this addiction lifestyle. You just have got to have somebody who's got your back with you. I was looking at this part in your book that simply says, sometimes the bravest and most important thing you can do is just show up. And that's quoted by Brenny Brown. And it really underpins what you just said. You're going to fail, but if you keep showing up, keep being there, keep getting up. I remember Denzel uh, Washington. He said, you fall seven times, you get up eight. It's the effort you keep going at it. But it's not effort that you have to do on your own. Because like you said, addiction is something you cannot do on your own. And I love this verse in Romans 8. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. And it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to stop there because the who, we often think of an external person from the outside looking in. But you cannot separate yourself from the love of Christ. And then it goes further. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And I have to say, within the addiction war, all of these things are against you because you become addicted because you're trying to escape life. You're trying to seek something. And I'm going to skip a couple of verses. And Paul says here, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So not even you can separate you from the love of Christ. And I say that to our believers out there because you may be a believer, like what I love about Jason's testimony, he is talking about the struggles he had with religion versus relationship. Because religion is man's way of doing things. I'm going to get to God by dressing a certain way. I'm going to get to God by not doing this. And we tend to do the stuff we're not supposed to do. It's just human nature. The Lord knows it quite well, but he makes us stronger in all these things. That's why I love that particular verse. 
Now, I want to get to your coaching because we told our listeners earlier on in the broadcast that we would give them an opportunity to see, hey, I'm dealing with something. How can Jason help me? So tell us, I would love to know when your coaching services started, how did that happen, and then what can listeners expect when they have you on to help? So I didn't even know what a coach was, to be honest. I just found that in my authentic journey of living my life as a clean and sober person of faith, a follower of Jesus, that as I shared honestly with authenticity, people gravitated to that and felt vulnerable enough to share with me in confidence those that entered in that conversation with me about their own struggles. And it wasn't just people struggling with addictions, people struggling with all sorts of areas in their life. It started out and mainly is those with addictions, but it's really a relationship of accountability and authenticity and really helping that person get to that next state, whatever that is. If it's wanting to get clean and sober, if it's wanting to have a a better relationship with their significant other, relationships in general. I mean, it's really a, think of it this way. You go to the gym. I hate going to the gym and I really leave there frustrated and really not accomplishing much until I hire a coach who can help me understand what machines I need to use, what parts of my body I need to work out and how to leave the gym feeling successful and feeling good about the time spent. And so I took some coaching courses and got certified as a uh, life coach. And then I did some recovery coaching, got certified in addiction and recovery. And I just found it to be a natural extension of my service work and being a person of faith. My love for Jesus gives me a love for my fellow man that I never had with religion. I didn't have this love, this deep affection for my fellow man as a person growing up with religion. Jesus has put that in my heart, and my life has been transformed as a result of it. Now, I want you to speak to something because I can hear someone saying, I don't need Christ to get sober, and I can do this without him. I'm good with what you're saying, Jason, but I don't really do the religion thing. But you are obviously stronger from the journey you took. So I don't need Christ to do that. And I'm pretty sure you may have people who think that. And I would like you to address that. Well, I think the journey to finding lasting sobriety all begins with a sense of surrender. And I mean complete and total surrender. And what I've learned and what I've experienced with surrendering means You have to surrender that maybe you don't have all the answers and surrender the fact that maybe there is, in the words of an AA person, a power greater than yourself. I think a lot of people can admit, okay, there is a power greater than myself. So there's people maybe who don't think they need Christ, but maybe they believe that there is something out there that's greater than them. So I just say, listen, just start surrendering, start asking questions, start the journey. Don't judge your journey. Don't judge what you believe and where you're at and where you're coming from. Just be open to the journey and surrender to that journey. And then just start asking questions. And as you surround yourself with other people who are going through the same journey, I think you'll find that you may not have a need for God, but you might find an interest in who this God is, because I have not yet met a single person in my journey who has been able to do sobriety on their own without a recognition that there is a God who is helping to lead them and guide them on this journey. Sobriety is way too tough to try to figure out on your own, to do it on your own. I just have not seen it done. I guess it's possible, but I haven't met those individuals yet. 
I'm going to read one of the highly rated reviews of Jesus and Seltzer. And this reviewer says, we live in a world where truth is an illusion. This book is filled with one truth after another. Jason lays it all out there. Whether you are an addict or someone who is just struggling with life, this book will be an inspiration to you. God's love is enough and his grace surpasses our own understanding. Thanks, Jason, for being so transparent. Truly an amazing book. And the last part I want to actually hone in as we get ready to close our discussion for today. And I really enjoyed having you, Jason. He says here about your being transparent. What addictions tend to do is that we're hiding from something, like you said, escaping reality. But the more and more we become addicted, that reality begins to bleed into our illusions that we're actually hiding from it. And I think one of the things, like you said, is complete surrender is you have to surrender to the fact that I am not well. All is not right. Transparency is so very important and it's actually A gateway to vulnerability, which I think is underrated in the church today, being vulnerable to the things that are out there. One thing you mentioned about religion is the do's and the don'ts. So you don't do this, you don't do that, you do do this, you do do that. But at the same time, you're just focusing on the externalities. As my pastor said this past Sunday, you're only focused on that instead of the inward man or the inward woman. And so I want you to talk about how that transparency has helped you to help others. Well, it all begins with transparency with the Lord, my relationship with Jesus and with, and with God. You know, struggling with addictions, your identity is not Christ's identity. It's an identity in the world and a failure and a enslavement. So being transparent with the Lord opened up my spirit to be loved by him. I am pursued with great affection by this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, this Jesus who loves me regardless And that transparency in my faith journey has given me the courage and the desire to be transparent with other people. It's not a natural trait or a natural characteristic. I think it's something that you've got to grow and learn and do. So being transparent with others really starts with being transparent with yourself. And you'll be amazed that when you take that step, people are going to respect you and they're going to want to be transparent with you. And then that just opens up the opportunity for the Lord to come in and to rescue us from our our negative identities and bring us into the truth and into the light. Jason, I can't think of a better way to end the show today. And I really sincerely enjoyed having you. What I would like you to do I'm going to mute myself and just pray for those of us out there who are dealing with vices, addictions, strongholds, and all of that. I ask that you bring the power of Christ to break those strongholds, break every chain. Amen. Jesus, I just come to you this afternoon and I just praise you and I thank you for the work that you're doing in every listener's life right now. There are people right now, Lord, who don't know you don't know you well enough, or feel like they just are not loved by you. And I just speak against that that lie of the enemy that every listener is valued and has identity and is a sense of value and purpose for you and that you love them exactly where they're at. I ask you, Jesus, that you would place your spirit in their life, that they would have a sense of identity with you, that they are loved, that they can face whatever this journey has in store for them, that you are alive and you are present 
in their circumstance, whatever their circumstances is right now, maybe something I've not talked about, but Lord, you are there with them. You have experienced everything that, that we walk with. And so I ask you, Jesus, in the name of the Father and the Son, that you would just walk in these people's lives, that you would give them the the sense of hope that you so long for them to have, the hope that's in you, Jesus, and that they would be victorious today, that the enemy would not rob them of that sense of hope for a new chapter in their life, a sense of hope for a new day for them, a sense of hope for all that you have in store for them, Jesus. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a powerful prayer, Jason. And I'm so glad it was given with such humbleness and such, hey, this is me talking to the Lord. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have all the big words. None of that. Prayer is a dialogue between you and the Lord. Just be honest. And I love that. And that prayer just really resonated with me. Jason, thank you for being with me on today's show. And I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure today. And we were talking today to Jason Umidi. He is the author of Jesus and Seltzer. And it's talking about meditations of sobriety and recovery. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Were you encouraged by what Jason told you today? We really just hit on the tad bit of his journey. And you can tell from listening, he has a lot of experience dealing with disappointments, dealing with feelings of failure, dealing with trauma and pain. And yet he can come out and say, God's grace is sufficient. There is a brighter day tomorrow. And guess what? If you need help with reiterating that, pick up your copy of Jesus and Seltzer, Stories and Meditations on Sobriety and Recovery. If you need his help, why not go to his website at jasonumidi.com, again, jasonumidi, U-M-I-D-I.com, and find out how he can help you. And I'll be sure to tell you he certainly will. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day, and God bless.